0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm Alan Seals, the host of the show. And our guest today is Allison Luff. She made her Broadway debut in Mamma Mia. She was Alphaba in the first US national tour of Wicked. She was recently Jenna and Waitress right before the Broadway shutdown. And through a little bit of Survivor's Guilt, which we do talk about, she's making a major splash in the TV scene with a new show called Heels, all about the ins and outs of wrestling. It's an incredible drama on stars. I cannot stop watching it. It's so good, and she is incredible. One of the fun things she dropped in the episode was that uh, her character actually sings in the church in the show, and that's something that originally wasn't in the script uh, because she can sing, obviously, so well. They made her character be able to sing. The rest is history. It's just so, so, so great. Find me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast or on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening now. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks.
1: Three. Today's guest made her Broadway debut in Mamma Mia. May be most known for her roles as Elphaba in the first U.S. national tour of Wicked and Jenna in Waitress. And she has also other Broadway credits that include Ghost, Matilda, Les Mis, and Escape to Margaritaville. She now has a starring role as Stacy Spade in the incredible Stars Channel wrestling drama called Heels, which was just released on August 15th. Allison Luff, welcome to the theater podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, and I have to say, um, you missed one show, and it it lasted a whole two months. It was called Scandalous. (laughs) Yes. Have we heard of it? (laughs)
1: With your understudy to Carolee Carmelo, I was going to get into this. Um, Didn't include it in the bio, but yes. Scandalous yeah. was in there, and okay, so you brought it up. Let's start with this kind of stuff, because Broadway debut in Mamma Mia was an understudy. Scandalous, you were understudying Carolee Carmelo. Ghost, understudying Casey Levy. You're doing show, 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 great shows as understudies, and I, as someone myself who at one point was like, I'm going to be on Broadway, I... I had a different view of understudies and swings before I actually got to be a swing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, so let's start with that because you're understudying amazing people in these shows and, and scandalous, like you said, only lasted for two months. At what point, or, or was there a point, I guess, where you were asking yourself, like, when's going to be my time? What's going on? I thought I, I, thought I was going to have a different path.
0: I don't think so. I mean, you know, I grew up doing theater since I was professionally, since I was 10 and, you know, community theater wise, even before that in Houston, I grew up in Houston and I didn't go the college path. I moved straight to New York and, you know, I moved to New York non-equity and I booked my first show. Uh, the day after I moved here, so I I moved here with a one way ticket and an audition for um, a new musical at Gallery Players in Brooklyn. You might know of it because, mm-hmm. um, and I it was I was fortunate enough to kind of get the lead in that, which got me my agent. So I kind of knew like, all right, there's there's a process here. I mean, and so then when I did. You know, mom, me, and I understudied, and I started actually with the tour. I did the tour first, and I did the tour for a year, and it was. I'm kind of all about there's there's a um, pattern here. I'm all about following your gut and being brave and saying no when you when it doesn't resonate with you. So I was doing the tour for a year, and I was uh, in the same track as the one that I made my Broadway debut in, and. I was understudying, we were on a layoff and I decided to audition for other things and I was cast as uh oh, I forget the name of of the young girl in Next to Normal. And it was only going to last, you know, 2 months or whatever, but I decided, you know what? I'm going to leave this cushy paycheck on tour and I want to go I want to be in a lead role. So I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to do that. And it was that brave decision which um led you know, which brought me to the next phone call, which was an hour after I put in my notice. And that phone call was, okay, well, hey, since you're leaving tour, your track is actually opening up on Broadway. Do you want to come do it on here or do it, you know, here? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that was the first, you know, brave saying no, things fall into place. Um, while I was doing Mamma Mia!, I I had a six week you know out at any time I was on a typical ensemble contract and I auditioned for Ghost and so right at four weeks into being a mom me on Broadway I put in my notice because I got to go understudy Casey Levy in Ghost which I loved that role and it was the you know I was part of the original cast which I've never done before and that was. Epic and so cool. I mean, they flew us to London to watch the show in London. It was insane, and I mean, I loved that track and I loved singing that track. And I was a huge fan of Casey, so I was like, "This is this is cool." And you know, then scandalous fall into place, and I was like, "Well, they I guess the part um, that I understudied, the Carolee Carmelo part, it was originally when they were doing it in Seattle. It was." A, or maybe before Seattle, when it was being developed, it was originally um, played by two women. You know, the first act was um, Amy as her younger self and the act two, because the role spanned from, I think, age eight or 16 to 35. Did she die at 35 or 37 or something? And so they right. had it played by two actors. And I, I think it was Carolee that was like, no, I want to do, you know, I want to do the age range. So I also knew going into it, I was like, well, it's, Carolee Carmelo, like that is insanely epic um and I learned so much from understudying her and just watching her perform every night is just a whole other level um and yeah then I was lucky and auditioned for Wicked while we got our closing notice for Scandalous because it wasn't wildly successful but um and it was actually it was actually my Wicked audition I, I went in and I got a I was like, wow, I, I know I'm meant to play this role. Like I've got it in me. I'm meant to do it, right? Sure, many women think that and many women are, right? There's been so many women that have done this role. And I was called back and it was it was the yeah, the day of the callback, they were like, Can she come and dance and do the ensemble dance, you know, the chorus card the Come and dance the, you know, the ensemble to understudy the track, and that was the time. That was the next brave no, right? So I told my agent, I was like, you know, I, I really in my gut, I feel like I want to play this role. I don't want to understudy it, but I also know that it's this. It's one of those roles that usually you start out understudying, and it's it's a stepping stone. Uh, character you start out under then you get to stand by and I know it's you kind of got to start from the bottom a lot of times but I also know I can't go into this dance call and not know it beforehand and be any good at it (laughs) um so I I I said you know I really only want to be considered to play the role and that was when the casting came back and said well you know it, it really is people start out in the ensemble and and build their way up. And she's never been in the show. So it probably won't happen. I was, I had to mourn that loss. And I said, okay, well then I really think that if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And I I don't think I want to go in for the dance track. I, I, I just, I think that I'm not, I'm not right for that track. I really want to play the role. So I was brave and said no. And then a couple days later, they're like, all right, come in and audition for, the role and so that was another brave one and I kind of knew like you said I I had this feeling of being a swing and being an understudy is the most valuable thing you can be for any production. Agreed. So if you set yourself as as a swing who can play every part and which I could never do um, or an understudy which I actually really loved doing I loved that pressure and I loved kind of saving the day and um, and I loved also then getting to go back in my ensemble track and, and be with my friends and but I just knew I had to be brave and kind of say no if I wanted to step out of that and luckily, Alpha Bow was the perfect track to do that with because I knew I wasn't gonna be very good in the ensemble dancing even even as the, the alpha study track. I don't think I could do that. I'm not <laughs> gonna <the> champagne hands
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, like the the Elfabas and the Glindas, I mean all right that takes that takes a lot of strength to to go back and say i'm going to turn down like a cushy paycheck cuz y- you could be in the ensemble in in wicked like a cushy paycheck in a show like wicked right, right. because you could t- you could do that for years you know that show's not going anywhere but to say no this is who i want or this is what i want this is who i want to be i think that you know i applaud you for that because it takes it takes a lot of strength and now I I want to sort of continue on this track of following your your instincts and and whatnot because um, this role you have now in heels is it, it's such a departure from uh, from the Broadway side of life from the from the stage side and it's such a big deal it's a great role in a great show and and i 'm looking at you know previous credits, like there 's very few TV and film credits previous to this, so like tell me how you got involved with this because it seems like this is one of those opportunities that the universe has kind of came into alignment and said, "Here you go here 's your next best thing, or here 's the next thing for you that is going to push you yeah. to the next best level
0: no it, for, it I mean it for sure was kind of <laughs> in alignment I mean at the time I was doing. I was doing waitress and my run was cut short, shorter than I was originally planning on um, being in the show. And that was a, a huge disappointment that I had never faced before. And, um, and Jordan Sparks replaced me, who was the most divine human being to ever come in and replace another person because she just, her spirit is for someone who is, you know, contract is cut short and kind of sad about it and very confused and that's never happened to them and jordan sparks comes in and is she's like she first i just had to applaud her because she's just an incredible human being to pass the torch to that being said it was my it was my the morning after my last show as jenna and I get a text from Mike O'Malley, the showrunner, who's also in it and is also an executive producer. And he actually texts me and says, "Hey, how's Waitress going?" And I said, "Oh, I actually just had my final performance last night, and um, you know, it was a quick run, but I loved it. I, I loved everyone. It was a dream to do it." And he goes, "Well, I'm I'm working on a TV show, and I want you to read the script. And if, if it connects with you, I really want you to put yourself on tape and I want you to audition." And I was like. Uh, okay, cool. And so I met Mike O'Malley doing Escape to Margaritaville. He co-wrote it with Greg Garcia. And so I already knew I loved his writing. He's an incredible advocate for actors. He's the biggest cheerleader in the world because he's an actor himself, you know? And I read these scripts and it was within the first page. I read the intro line of Stacey Spade's entrance, Georgia peach walks in beer splashes on her legs. She's the only one cheering for the heel, which the heel in wrestling is the bad guy. And I loved that the story was set in the South. I was extremely drawn to that because I'm from the South and I just got done playing Jenna also. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love playing these Southern women that have some grit to them. And, um, and so this kind of came about through the fact that I met Mike O'Malley doing escape to Margaritaville. And uh, yeah, so I read these scripts. I was extremely connected to them and I wrote him back. was like, yeah, I want to audition for this for sure. And put myself on tape, several scenes. I, several months later went and screen tested. I think there were five other women that were screen tested for the roles. And I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone left that. I was told everyone left that audition feeling like they had the part because the company that was in that room, you know, the producers and Pete Siegel, the director and Steven, they just made everyone feel so at home. And so, you know, in an audition setting, it can be really scary. And I think I was the only one that was flying from New York to LA to audition and, Yeah, I mean that was another one. The stars aligned. I came from waitress, where I thought my run was going to be longer, to literally the next morning getting a text with what I did not know at the time was my next job.
1: (laughs) That's so cool. That is so cool. And the 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 show is the heels. Just to dig into this a little bit, it's all about like the creation of of this. Family of uh, well, it's a it's a wrestling family, but it's going around and it's there's a micro and a mac, uh, macro level, right? So the micro is what's going on between the brothers and between uh, the actual literal family, and then like the wrestlers and the wrestling organizations. Like the macro level is is the fam the family there too, and and I. Cannot stop watching this because I, I, you know, I've got to know what happens next because the the everything is so real. Which you know, coming from wrestling, is could be taken a little bit ironically, but um, the the storylines, the family conflict, the struggle for just making it to the next to the next day, right? Like, where's this money coming from? How am I going to survive? I think so many people can relate on many levels to this sort of thing, but for you uh obviously um do you do some singing in there which i think is is partially why uh obviously chosen for the role but
0: well, honestly, um, she when i read the scripts she never sang there's really no- yeah, so there's a fun fact. Um, Stacey Spade was never a singer. There was nothing in the scripts about her singing. Um, it wasn't until I was cast in the role that the producers were like, um, all right, well, we kind of want to like utilize something else that you do. So they wrote it into the script that she sings at church. And I, I love that about the character because – you know, when I first heard, you know, they want to utilize the fact that you sing, I was like, oh, don't like go make her a singer. I'm, I'm like really excited to, you know, just play this woman. And I step outside my comfort zone and they're like, no, no, no. She's not like this professional singer. She she plays in church like we think it'd be a really cool aspect. You know, she's and I loved it because I loved that she, you know, on the page, you can look at Stacey and you can see like, oh, she might be like this pious or just really religious uh, Southern woman. And she's not that at all. She looks at church, I think as a sense of community and tradition that she gets to bring. It's a time for her family and her friends to come together. And then I looked at her singing. It's just kind of her way of paying tithes. You know, they don't have a lot of money. She's always pinching pennies. It's like her contribution to the bake sale. And it's, not until possibly who knows later that she might find her, her voice through that. I think she, the way that I developed it was, you know, she probably grew up singing in church and maybe was in like the acapella group in college, but that, that's kind of all it went. It was just kind of a thing that she did. I think she's this suppressed artist and create, create a creative being underneath. And maybe had that been cultivated, she'd be in a different place, you know, but Jack is also a super creative being and a writer and, with wrestling but yeah so fun fact she actually did not sing until I was cast <laughs>
1: That's so cool. How much of how much of the wrestling is is actually the actors versus stunt doubles, right? Cuz obviously we're seeing Ace the actor playing Ace doing his own backflips without yeah. any cuts. He's doing those, but how much of this is is uh, real versus trained wrestlers etc. or are they one and the same at this point?
0: No, I mean, first of all, we have an in- incredible stunt team. And one of the really cool things filming this show was, especially with COVID and everything, they wanted to keep us safe. They wanted to keep us in a close knit group and keep us from going anywhere really other than set. So they built us a gym, a heels gymnasium. Um, at the studios, and it was epic. And even though I don't wrestle in the show, I worked out with all of them all the time because I was like, "Well, hey, I, I want to work out," you know. And so we all worked out together, and that was really cool because I was watching these incredible stunt men and women train with their actor that you know they're stunting for, and then uh, and with the heels gymnasium, they also built a ring. Um, in that so they could practice and they could you know run the ropes and and hit the mat and they yes we have an incredible stunt team but for the most part these these guys are doing their own stunts I mean James Harrison has a football background so he knows how to tackle and I would never want to be in the ring with him (laughs) terrifying um I think I don't think Robbie really had a lot of um combat or uh like physical training going into this and he worked his butt off and you see him doing things Alan Maldonado is extremely athletic and is you know he's doing a lot of things the first day I saw Xander do a backflip I was like how did you do when did you learn that he's like oh I I like just taught myself because I wanted to be the one that did it but he grew up doing I think it's like snow skiing or like I don't even know what you call it, sports skiing, like when you ski and you flip and you, you know, like the Olympic style. Like he's an insane athlete. You know, Steven obviously has been in actual wrestling ring. And yeah, Duke has a history of fighting and Trey Tucker was doing his own stunt. So these guys worked really hard. And yes, with this, you know, the stunt the stunt folks went in there and they did their thing too. But for the most part, all these people, Kelly, all these people were learning to run the ropes, take the hits, take the bumps. And I will say, I mean, James said it in a talk back yesterday. He's like, you think it's fake, but the only thing that is predicted about it is the ending. I mean, the mat is not as soft as it looks. All my reactions in the show watching them are completely authentic. In fact, I probably had to like, try to mask my face, or else, you know, I look crazy, um, because it's terrifying, but yeah, they are, you know, they're doing it. They are doing it. They're taking the hits.
1: Oh, that, that's so incredible that it makes me happy to hear that because I, I love, I love being able to, to see actors going through this and going through the training. And then as yeah. uh, personally too, like what you were saying, um, about, uh, being able to take your personal talents into, into the the screen, like being able to sing. Right. I think for them to bring in the the athleticism that they naturally possess, it's going to just enhance the character and it's going to enhance the show. And I've got to say the way it comes across on screen is just beautiful. It's brilliant. And the, yeah, the cast together, it, you all feel like such a tight-knit family. And after you're explaining how the filming went and how the process went, it's it's no no question why, because you got to know each other so well. I It didn't even occur to me that, yeah, you were filming... During COVID, so you said, what, 2018 was the audition, right? Or the text
0: that you got? So, let's see. Oh, my gosh. Like, where did the last couple of years go? You know, I, I have no sense of time anymore. Um, I think, no, I think that would have been 2019, right? I, I think I finished Waitress in 2019.
1: Yes. Yes, because it closed It closed right before COVID shut down, probably. Yeah,
0: January or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was... Um, I guess it was the summer or beginning of fall. I don't remember that I, that I finished waitress, but I, you know, I, it was a long process from when Mike texted me. So Mike texted me, I put myself on tape and it wasn't until a few months later that I was told like, Hey, you have a screen test. And I think I went sometime in November, what year that was would be very hard to say. Uh, 19, 2019. I think i screen tested in november 2019 and or yeah november and then we had our holidays and we began we were originally supposed to start shooting in march so we were i was a week away from flying out to atlanta to shoot when the shutdown happened the shutdown happened a week before i was supposed to fly out and i was actually in la at the time um working on something else and I was staying with Mike O'Malley, the showrunner. I was staying in his guest house and it was, he and his wife were like, you know, uh, LA shutting down. I don't know how long you want to stay here. And I was like, Oh, it's probably just for like a little bit, you know, that's what we all thought. Right. Um, And he was the one that told me, yeah, we we've postponed production. We're not flying out next week. I said, okay. And of course, within you, you're just like terrified. Oh my gosh, am I about to like lose the biggest job that I've had in this capacity? And, but we ended up, I think we were the very, I think we were either the very or one of the very first shows to start shooting during COVID. Um, and we began in June, uh, June, July, August. So I flew out there. We all flew out in August to begin filming in yeah, August, 2020. And it was crazy. I think filming during COVID, it brought, it probably brought the cast closer together because, you know, we weren't able to fly home on the weekends when we weren't filming to go see our family. We weren't able to go hang out with our family that was in town or have friends come in town or go out on the town and to meet new people. We were kind of confined to this space and we were all trying to do our due diligence and uh, keep it amongst the group and so I think it did bring the cast closer together in you know in in a way
1: we're going to take a short break stay tuned for more of the episode Well, let's rewind a couple of years to back when you were little, Allison,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and let's talk about uh, what got you into into singing yourself. Like in, you came from Texas or you grew up in Texas, right? So, mm-hmm. what got you into singing? What got you into performing? Uh, and what about it? And I'd love everyone's answer on this because it's so different. But why? theater what does what does singing and performing do to you that speaks to you and makes you makes it part of you
0: yeah so i grew up uh, i, I the, the thing that got me into theater was my parents took me to the pre-broadway run of beauty and the beast the pre-broadway run happened in houston and cool, a very very cool full circle moment for me. Um, Kim Huber played the broomstick and understudied Belle in that production. And fast forward from four years old to eighteen years old, I ended up doing a production of Beauty and the Beast where she played Belle, um, which I thought was you know that's a really cool full circle moment. Um, so yeah, it was Beauty and the Beast. I think I was four years old and. Uh, my mom and dad just said I was enamored. No one in in my family is in the business whatsoever. They don't know anything about the business. I They just took us to see a show. You know, they have two young kids. They took us to see Beauty and the Beast. And, or they had three young kids. Sorry, I forgot one of my brothers. I've got, a, I've got you know, it's <laughs> you um, And so they took me to this show and I was enamored with it. And my mom and dad said that I just, afterwards, I looked at them and I was like, I want to do that. And they're like, okay, Sure. And they noticed that I would always sing around the house. And my mom noticed, you know, she doesn't have like an annoying voice. She's actually like kind of singing, like she's singing on pitch. I I think she might be really want to do this. I think she's being serious. And so, you know, she went to the, I owe it all to her. You know, she went to the library, looked up okay, how do you do this? How do you audition? What do you, and she put together, she was like, all right, so you need a little song to sing. She put together a little book for me. And I auditioned for this singing, performing group that uh, toured around to like different festivals. And I think I was a year too young to do it. And my dad reminded me when I was home recently, he was like, you know, you probably don't remember this, but on your way, he's like, you know, you were begging for weeks that you wanted to perform. And on your way to this audition, you got there and you were told that your mom can't come in with you. And you were so upset. And you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. So you, were, you know, you were four years old and your mom said, look, you've made a commitment to something. You have to honor a commitment. And if you don't want to do it afterwards." we'll talk about it. But right now you're here and these people are waiting for you and you need to go in and be brave and you need to honor your commitment. And had she not told, had she just been like, okay, you're scared, it's okay. Who knows where I'd be? Like, that's crazy to me to think that. So I went in there saying a whole new world. I was a year too young to do it. And they were like, you know what? She can do it. Like, we'll put her in. And then, you know, I started doing theater. But uh, when I was seven, that kind of opened the doors of their kids were doing theater and um, then one thing led to another. I was doing community theater. That director was directing a professional production of Wizard of Oz and, you know, pulled me into that. And I think the thing that draws me to theater and just being on stage is it's very selfish reason. Actually, it's just extremely cathartic to me. I, I find it a therapy in a way, you know, I, I, I like telling a story from beginning to end and I like the intimacy of it. I like the idea that the only people in this building at this time are witnessing this experience. And that to me is just, is magic. And I've learned to really love them. And I've always kind of loved when things go wrong, you know, and figuring out how to save that. I like having the trust in another person and being here and now with the person you're on stage with and the audience. And I just think it's really, really special. And that's something that I'm learning to find other way. I've, I've fallen in love with, you know, on camera now in a, in a different capacity because that's something that I kind of really mourned while I was filming Heels and, and missed was the theater aspect of getting to tell the story from beginning to end and being in control of how that story is told. So I really, that's, I I just find it extremely cathartic. And I I was actually, we had a, um, not to make a novel out of this answer, but we we had a premiere and a screening last night at 92 Y, and we had a talkback afterwards. And I was standing in the wings and I was just... I got kind of emotional and I I just thought, wow, I really miss theater. Like I was just standing on the stage, getting ready to talk about a show, but there was something about being on stage that just felt so good. And I just hope I get to do it again sometime soon. I was going to
1: ask, I was going to ask about that during, during COVID. You fortunately had heels to go film and rehearse for and, and whatnot, but the majority of, of Broadway and theater in general is it shut down, still shut down as we're recording this. And, and so I've talked to so many people literally now over the last year and a half who have just been like, there was a time when I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know how I was going to express myself. And the fact that, you know, you said it's cathartic. I don't think that's selfish at all. I think everybody needs catharsis. They need to be able to find something in their life, whether it's, providing for family or as Stacy Spade does, going to sing in church, right? Your character, Stacy's giving back to the community, giving back to her family that way. That's probably her catharsis, I suspect. Yeah. And then you, you are, you know, the, whatever it is, it's allowing us, allowing you to feel, allowing us to feel with you. And I've said this, I'm sure my listeners are tired of hearing me say this, that I am, what I miss so much about the theater is sitting in the audience And going on a shared emotional journey with sometimes literally thousands of strangers. Mm -hmm. And it's being able to feel the same thing at the same time and saying, is it okay to cry? Oh, they're crying. All right, I'm going to cry too. Or you know, we have so many walls that we put up every day and the things that we think we need to do because we think other people expect us to be certain ways. And then when we go on stage as performers all that's gone because you're, you get to be somebody else just for that short amount of time. And as the audience, everything else gets forgotten because we're watching, we're watching all this come out of you.
0: It's so true. It's, I would always, when I was doing Lay I I loved, it, it was, it was the best because, you know, my, my husband's also an actor and, and he comes to all, you know, he comes to the shows, you know, if he's not doing anything, he's like, can I see the show tonight? He's one of those people that he's like, he would just see the show always if you could any chance to be in a theater he just is such a theater goer and such a great student which makes him such a great actor but he um during Les Mis he would always text me at intermission he's like every time that overture comes on he's like I just weep he's like I weep it's like such great like it's such a release for me he's like there's just something about Les Mis he's like it just it gets me every time that overture and And I love it because he's this guy that I think he's sitting next to all these people and he gives them permission. Like you said, you get permission from this stranger. It brings like strangers together. And I love that. And yeah, it's not lost on me that I I feel extremely fortunate and even a bit of survivor's guilt a little bit that I, you know, I've only ever made a living from, you know, I was a nanny, I've had some side hustles, but I've made the only way I've brought in income for a very long time is through theater. And so it is definitely not lost on me that I was very, very fortunate to have heels to go to the timing is, is, you know, I obviously couldn't have asked for anything better, but it's crazy. And I really, I just, I can't wait for theater to start back up. I really can't.
1: Well, now that, now that, I mean, heels is heels is ju- just came out, right? And theater is just coming back, and I feel like hopefully at this point um, you're going to be able to have a nice choice, right? And and you said you're in LA working on something else, and you know there's the whole like, what are you working on? Oh, I can't tell you right now. I'm sure there's stuff in the works, and. I suspect that you're going to start to be able to um, bounce back and forth between TV and film and theater in a perfect world. But if you had to choose, um, I guess, career-wise, career, career wise, like this is probably different answers. And I, I'm this should be an easy question to answer, I suspect. But perfect world, money aside, what would you want to do? But then um, where do you think you're going to continue to focus on right now, given the current state of life?
0: Yeah, well... I definitely think I've caught the bug. I've caught the bug for on, you know, for doing TV. I have definitely fallen in love with that medium, but there's just, there's nothing like theater for me. And I will, I will always, I will always go back to theater and I will always, I probably will always, I hate saying favorite, but yeah, that's, there's nothing like theater for me and I will always, that will always be top for me. You know, there's there's a self discipline in theater that I don't think there is in any other kind of artistic medium. Um and a sense of community, you know, with that that's another thing I really missed doing. Um and I loved I loved filming heels and like I said, I've definitely caught the bug. I'm I I went I would if, man, I would love to do both forever and ever and ever. But um, that's one thing I did miss was there's there's a sense of community with the cast, a theater cast that I don't think you get with um, a, a cast in TV and film. And we got extremely close during Heels and I'm sure many cast, you know, for TV and film get really, really close, but there's something about rehearsals and that that's the thing I miss most. I found myself missing most. And there's, there's quite a bit of theater people in heels. You know, Chris Bauer is a theater vet. Um, Robbie Ramos is also comes from the theater world. And I'm sure many of the other actors are, you know, have done a lot of theater, but those, those guys have for sure done a lot of New York theater and elsewhere. But that's the one thing I I missed and that I was shocked by. I was like, what? I miss rehearsals. Like there's something about, I miss, I used to call it (laughs) so corny, but since I was a little girl, I would call it my character click day. I would come home (laughs) to my mom and I'm like, I have my character click day. She's like, what's that? And I was like, it's like that day that it's just kind of, it clicks. It works. I understand how everything, how everything falls. And I know how she thinks. And I, I just, I get her. Um, And that usually happens in rehearsal right where you get close during tech and with with tv and and film you only see the people that you're filming those scenes with and maybe you'll see them in the makeup trailer or the hair trailer but other than that you're going to see them when you're on set and you're not going to rehearse and you know sometimes we'll go through a scene like once but it's it's more and it's a whole other level of self discipline right like you you've got to work on your script nonstop on your own which is also really hard because there's only so much you can do on your own until you hear the person you're playing with how they play the scene too but that's another challenge right you have to know your material so well that you can just you have to be able to drop in like that there's no warm up there's no chance to walk on stage and Figure out like okay, what is this audience? Who is this audience? How are we dealing with them? Who, where is my actor at today in order in this scene? What are they bringing to this love scene? Oh, they're in a fight with their significant others. so oh, they're bringing me some heat tonight. Like <laughs> you have a chance to redo it every night and to think about. What do I want to change? What do I want to? Oh, I'm going to just change this a little bit, and it just changed the whole trajectory of how the show is going to go for me. And it's it's tiny, it's minute, right? Nobody knows the difference, but to us on stage, it's like, oh my gosh, that was a revelation. Like my performance was so different. <laughs> you ask anybody else, they're like, huh? Uh, no, I didn't notice anything. Um, but yeah, I, I that so that that in itself for. TV and film, that's, that's a whole other ball game and a whole other challenge of you've got to be able to drop in at, you know, in a matter of seconds, as soon as you start. And, and that was, that's, I think, only gonna behoove me and benefit me and, and get me into a better place now when I go back to theater, right?
1: Right, right. Uh, the, you couldn't have said it any better. I com- agree completely 100%. I've said it again so many times that Broadway actors are the Olympians of theater, right? Yeah. You got to do eight shows a week often talking and acting and singing about content that is har- harmful to, to the average person, right? Like I always go back to um, Elizabeth Stanley in Jagged Little Pill. Did, uh, did you ever get to see her in that?
0: No. And it, it just kills me. We have the same man manage- you know, we have the same management and I just, I just know that she's brilliant and I'm a huge fan of hers. So I can't wait to see it. I
1: mean, the character goes through so much at, of, of dealing with sexual abuse and and substance abuse and self loathing and just to do that and come out and be normal elizabeth again after every show eight times a week i mean that's that's one of the extremes right but when you think about Again, you brought up earlier, next to normal, like these shows that just dig so hard into you as an audience. Imagine what the actors are going through. You literally, you can. You go, you know, you being an actress, uh, going through this, and then you have to be the best. And I'm not knocking TV and film at all, but like you said, there's there's an aspect of of uh, I guess presentation that changes because you have a director that then influences the editor that has their own influence and What you do if you flub a line or you miss a mark or whatever the case is, TV or film, then you can you do it again, or you can just edit around it or whatever the case is. But I love live theater for the exact reasons you said because fixing something that goes wrong is so fun, right? It's so exciting, and then especially if you know, like your husband's coming to see Les Mis show after show after show. I'm sure he could come home and see like. And I love how you sang that a little bit differently last night or, uh, you know, you were doing right. this a little bit differently. Like the people start, the people around you start to see it a little bit differently and it's yeah. so exciting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And And with that being said, I also feel like yeah. You all, you have those roles and, and, and of course those roles that are so demanding emotionally are the ones that we crave, right? Those yeah. are like our favorite. That's the
1: catharsis.
0: Masochistic and yeah, cathartic. And, um, it was actually Miss Honey weirdly for me for that one. That was a weird one because I, I think it was just repeated, you know, repeatedly saying I'm pathetic. I'm pathetic. I'm pathetic. And not getting to play. The, I'm used to playing these women that are like these strong, you know, um, resilient i mean miss honey is very resilient but these like force forceful women and, and miss honey just kept like self-deprecating and that weirdly enough really got to me but with you know being on camera yeah you get to say cut and you get to um you know go again but that being said when it comes to an, a really uh, when it comes to a really emotional scene you also have to do it with theater, it helps, right? you you know how to do it over and over again. You don't have to, I never understand the, like, well, save it, save it for your coverage. It's like, well, no, no, this is, this is what you, do, you know, like this theater helps you with that. Like you don't have to save it for coverage. You can do it every time. But that being said, you do kind of have to have the self-discipline or at least I do. It's different for everyone, but kind of, I would find myself in emotional scenes for heels. You know, we do one coverage you know, sometimes it takes 20 minutes, 30 minutes to set up for the next coverage. And you want that same, you want to be in that same emotional place that you were in when you shot the last coverage. And it's really hard when you go back to your chair and they're like touching up your makeup and they're touching up your hair and, you know, your friends on the phone and showing you a video or this or that, you know. So I would always kind of have to find myself. I'd come out of something, I'd have to go in a little corner and like pretend I was still in in the play, so to speak, and just like stay in that world because with theater you know you're uh, you are automatically staying in it you don't have to you know you might have to go backstage for a second, but you get to come back and it's where you left it
1: yeah it doesn't it doesn't stop you still hear no. it you still yeah you still feel it yeah i I completely understand um so let us wrap up the episode here with three closing questions that I ask everybody to finish out. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you?
0: What motivates me is the fact that this has been my dream since I was a child, and it's the only thing I've dedicated my life to. And it's the only thing that I I I know that I'm one of the very fortunate people that get to do what they love to do. And it motivates me to see that there are just as many people there are so many people surrounding me that are just as talented, if not more talented, that don't get the opportunity in this scenario. You know, it's honestly what motivates me is the opportunity and that is not lost on me that there are a lot of people that can have this opportunity. And so you better rise to the occasion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path?
0: I think kind of going back to what we what we were talking about. Be brave and go with your gut. Always go with your gut. And and the only thing you can do is stay authentically you. I think that the moment I saw my career change was the second I realized, Oh, I need to stop trying to be like so and so, even though I, I can I can respect their career, I can like their career. I can understudy their career. I can I can I can love it and I can think that they're really cool, but I need to find myself because once I find myself, that is the only thing that I can offer and bring to the table that no one else can bring to the table. No one else is going to do Alice in Love as well as I can do Alice in (laughs) Love. So that's what I would tell myself.
1: All right. So the last question here is the hardest one. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see?
0: (sighs) You know I've never seen it but I've been in it and it's one of my favorite all-time musicals and this is going to sound extremely depressing. Um parade. <laughs> that is the no. first time
1: I think that anyone has ever said parade. Isn't
0: that horrible. It's just like the I'm choosing the most depressing thing. I really am like I'm, I really am just love to be sad, I guess.
1: <laughs> Maybe why do you think why do you think that is? Is it perspective? Like you don't know you've been hot unless you've been cold. You don't know you're in unless you've been out. Do you do you does being sad help you be happy?
0: you know i really did love the ferryman i could have seen that over and over and over again. (laughs) Uh, no i just don't know i needed an answer and like you said it was the hardest answer and i that's one of my favorite musicals of all time And even though i've never seen it i think well i'd love to see it because i loved being in it i just i think that story is just incredible i love that i love i love anything with history behind it and um yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to go with that answer, Alan. I'm sticking with you. Well,
1: you said Miss Honey was was enjoyable because you got to be self-deprecating. So I was I was going along this theme, but I think I think there's something there to dig into. But uh, we'll they'll save therapy. Yeah, we'll save that. We'll save that for the next therapeutic episode. All right. So where can we find you online?
0: Um, I'm it's very original, Allison Luff on Instagram. <laughs> And um, I also have a band, and my band name is Big Sur Bound Official on Instagram.
1: Big Sur Bound Official.
0: Yeah, that's if you go to my personal page, Allison Left. you can then go to my bio or any photo.
1: We'll put everything in the show notes for this episode, too, including the link to go watch Heels on Stars. Gosh, it's such a great show. So you can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review wherever you are listening now. It helps spread the word. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And thank you to Allison Luff for the wonderful conversation. Thank you